Welcome back. It's another episode of Growth Lab's Weekly GL, where we're tackling today's issues and how they impact your business. This is hosted by me, Dan, and Stephen. We'll give you our raw take on what's important for you and your business. Let's get started. So this is another edition of the Weekly GL. Here on July 22nd. Yep, and we've got another raw take for small business owners. Today's theme is 2020. We're still not out of the woods. 2020, you still have a lot of risk and uncertainty on the table. And that risk, that uncertainty will ultimately impact how small business owners think about their business. It's mm-hmm. going to impact their customers. It's going to impact their ability to um, ret- retain and attract uh, new employees, talent, yeah. new talent, um, and yeah. possibly even like capital, right? So now that uh, PPP monies are starting to dry up and... Um, Everybody's got their EIDL. So yeah, I think what are, uh, you know. What are you thinking? It's it's kind of like it's, a, it's, a, it's moving from you know we're at kind of a nothing's going to change like night and day in the next two weeks, but there are going to be a lot of changes in the next two weeks, and it's a time for us to like kind of think about things. Even over the last month, the mindset of the nation as a whole is going from you know uh, uh, you know call it house arrest to uh, uh, you know let's move about freely. Um, we've seen we're seeing a spike in cases in hotspots. Um, but even even looking forward, you know, end of July, uh, you know, um, unless Congress acts, which they're talking about right now, probably as we speak, you know, that that uh, enhanced unemployment is going to end. And what does that mean? Right. Like, I think it means that we need to start thinking as businesses and as a as a as a nation about moving from the days of the PPP, which I'll call the survival days to the days of like post post P. Uh, PPP. You know, wh- what do we need to do to invest in our businesses in ourselves to thrive? Right. So, you know, you brought up that, you know, we are seeing a spike in cases in um, certain parts of the country. Folks are attributing that to people finally getting out. Part of it is it's warmer weather. So down south, people are conjugating back indoors, right, with air conditioning. What does that mean for us here in the Northeast? What does that mean for us in the Midwest? Come September, October, we start to live more indoors again, heating on, right? At least from a small business uh, perspective, you know, we're we're obviously maintaining a smaller footprint. So with that said, the raw take here is 2020. Still, still a, lot a ton of risk and yeah. uncertainty on your table. And like Steve, you were alluding to, this now is a question of not just survival, because if that is your only mindset, you may not get through this. But how do you thrive? How do you, how do you, yeah. what's that framework to go from a survival mindset to a thriving strategy? What are your thoughts? Yeah, and I know some, some people might just kind of react negatively to that, to, to the word thrive right now, because who, who can thrive besides maybe Zoom or a, a PPE manufacturer? Mm-hmm. Like, so don't focus on uh, a gut reaction to thrive, you know, focus on like, that is the aspiration, right? Uh, yes, most businesses have seen a hit and thriving looks a lot different today than it did before, but really changing that mindset from like survival mindset to I'm, I need to get post that. I need to get app, you know, come out of that survival mindset into a thriving mindset. And if it comforts you a little more into just a main maintenance mindset, but out, outside of that, that survival mindset so that you can think about what it is in your business that you need to do to invest in the infrastructure, people, resources, equipment mm-hmm. to uh, uh, do what I think where you're going, Dan, is what is that framework? And it, it's so it's going to be 
Yeah. So before we go into that framework, you know, we have our own view. You know, we talked a little bit about risk and uncertainty for the rest of 2020, but our view and how we are positioning uh, the planning process with customers um, comes down to a few different sort of uh, global perspectives. One, you know, we don't believe that the economy will come back. We do know that there will be expansion, right? When you have such a drop. June was a good month, right? But June was relatively a good month, but it really was not a good month. So we don't believe that the economy uh, will expand ultimately this year. It will ultimately uh, retract six to 8%. That's a huge, that's, that's a big, big downturn. We, do, we also do believe that we will see um, structural unemployment going forward. We don't think unemployment is really going to come down below 10%. It's probably going to stay in that 10 to 12%. Again, we're seeing businesses shutting down again, right? These are critical businesses where uh, 20 million Americans work in these like small one to 10, um, whatever the stat is, one to 10 uh, employee, employee shops. shops. Yeah. Uh, commercial real estate, obviously. Not coming back. Not looking good, you know, whether it's uh, small, medium-sized businesses like ours or uh, restaurants and hospitality, malls, retails, like how is that going to come back? So there is, we, we know, like there is going to be a wall that the uh, CRE, uh, the commercial real estate world, is going to hit and it's going to start impacting banks. Um, and then lastly, we're in the middle of an election year, right, man? I mean, where is government assistance going to be coming from? There was a big push for the PPP, the CARES Act, which, by the way, was historical in how quickly uh, the government was able to uh, decisively pump two, three trillion dollars into this market. I mean, yeah, it was a little it was a little bit of a fiasco in the beginning, but ultimately, I, I think ultimately it was a, gr a good program. But again, that program came back down to survival. And so how does the government assistance look like now? Is it a spend or incent, right? There's, there's a think bill on the table right now trying to contemplate is it an extension of the um, enhanced unemployment benefits? Right. Or is it uh, payroll tax incentives? Or is it more checks straight to Americans? Right? Or is it straight up checks? And so, I think, you know, I don't think we'll see, we will see more movement on, on, the, on the government uh, incentive mm -hmm. uh, side. But I think we won't, we will, we'll see a lot of talk up until election. Because, you know, on both sides, they're going to want votes and they're going to use assistance to get those votes to some degree, uh, or way, shape, or form. Um, but until we until we know the outcome of the election, it won't be that, that'll be a little bit of a, a, a call it a uh, a dam. Once that once the election passes, you know, then then we'll I do see, think they're we'll going to pass more, more activity. I do believe they're going to yeah, they're going to pass something, but right? I don't think it's going to be like another uh, PPP, right? A, a trillion dollars of spend or a trillion dollars of incentive. It's going to be something that is not going to move the needle on right. both the spend and in, or incentive. And we're not, we're not policy like wonks, but. Um, you know, our, yeah, you our, 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 our take is, is, uh, even as states come out with their own, like uh, own programs, Texas, Rhode Island, you know, uh, coming out with, and you know, we're not, we're not policy moms, but I would say that even those programs need to move from, uh, providing, uh, capital to survive mm -hmm. to th providing capital to thrive. Cause you know, in reality, you know, state programs that are, you know, 10 to $50,000, they're going to like half that money is going to get pocketed by business owners right or get yeah. get get pumped into past due bills and it's not going to it's not going to move the needle at all on the the thriving side of it which is where 
states and the, the federal government now should be investing money to ensure that the foundation of businesses, foundation of employment, and foundation of all the economic activity is there. So that kind of brings me back to a, a conversation or a talk I had, I don't know, probably two, two and a half months ago now. And uh, there was, I believe it was the head of the Department of Labor was on this call. And you know, my, my, my raw take to, to them was, what you really need is not another, not more money or another infrastructure bill or this, you know, to, what you really need is a small business infrastructure bill. You mm-hmm. need money, you need grants to help fund infrastructure improvements. There are mm-hmm. small businesses that still have premise-based servers, premise-based yep. telephone systems. And I know there are pros and cons to both. But having, you know, baking in business continuity, disaster recovery into the DNA of a company is critical. And this is like a great opportunity. Um, So I believe that any incentives that come towards small business owners, it would be nice if they were earmarked to help uh, elevate the infrastructure inside of our small businesses. Because then they can scale. Then they can scale and then they they can can thrive. quicker. They can agile and then ultimately thrive, right? And that's where, I think that's where, you know, we are encouraging people to start thinking about is you move from survival to thrive. It really is where do you need to invest in in infrastructure? We, we, you know, we talk about infrastructure bills. What comes to mind is, you know, in general, it's like bridges and roads, right? Why do you do bridges and roads? It's so that you can build, you can, you can move stuff on top of that, right? Uh, Literally. Um, But in terms of our businesses, invest in infrastructure so that you can move stuff on top of that. It could be marketing, SEO, Google AdWords, right? Digital marketing. It could be accounting systems, financial management systems, technology. Uh, whether it's servers or telephony or email, yeah. it's amazing that we still see, I would say 20% of our customers still have these legacy systems, whether it's hardware or processes and systems that are so like ingrained in the physical footprint, they can't, they can't scale out of this. If it, if, if their mindset is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix not it. good English, but, but it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But we've realized that with a across the board pandemic, across the board, you know, uh, business disruption, that may, that does cause old systems to break. Right? right. They're they are not broken in them in and of themselves, but when you cannot connect to them, then your your business process is broken. So that was my two cents. Uh, small business infrastructure fund. Mm-hmm. What a great idea. You're putting money back into the into the system and you're investing in small businesses so that once they are on the other side of this, they are it's like they are brand new. They're brand new shops. So anyways, enough of that. We're just kind of. But let's go to the framework. What's the the framework for, for small business owners to think about as they think, how am I going to thrive? Right. And we break it down into kind of three pieces. One is adapt. You know, your business is going to be about the same. I can see a market for it uh, post-COVID, um, but I need to adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, I need to pivot. Um, I can can stay in my same industry, but I need to pivot somehow. Uh, I need to do business a little different. Do, do it a little differently. And then lastly, if you cannot see a really a, a path, a long-term path for, for your business, path. operational path to, in order to thrive, then really think about transition, whether that's um, I, I'm going to sell my business, I'm going to acquire another business, or I need to go through a restructuring process. So let's start with number one, which is adapt. Give us, let's talk a, a, maybe one or two examples on a typical business, um, thinking about reopening, trying to figure out, you know, do I bring employees back? Can I really feel comfortable having customers come? 
one or two examples here. Let's let's talk uh, manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. well, most likely, you're probably you're probably already up back up and running, but uh, maybe you had to shut down because you know you had an outbreak of COVID in your in your facility. Uh, you need to you need to operate with social distancing. You need to operate with PPE. You need to apply PPE. You need to do some re some footprint reorganization, restructuring, or even an office. You do need to restructure the office the cubicles, right? Um, so Bring things need to change in the footprint, right? Uh, and I go to footprint with adapt because that, that is is where a lot of the biggest change it mm -hmm. needs to happen. Um, and so, you know, what does that look like? How much does it cost? Um, but that's that's a lot of where the adapt uh, mindset goes to. Um, and it's, you know, things like uh, putting cameras, cameras up that can tell me who's got a temperature. Right. I don't have to rely on people telling me that they're that they've they don't have a temperature, right? right? I can, I can, I can monitor that with the camera. So, another form of adapt. I mean, it's small things like let's come back to our industry. Uh, so let's focus on the accounting. Uh, you can, you know, think about your accounting as a, you know, you have QuickBooks desktop, and it happens to be in that computer all the way in the corner. You know, your part-time bookkeeper comes there. You have a full-time, but you have to be in the office, right? So one way to adapt in the accounting world is transitioning your um, your accounting software, system. your accounting systems, thanks, um, into the cloud. Uh, maybe even rethinking some of the processes, like, okay, the original source documents, how do I get those original source documents into the cloud? Um, believe it or not, we sometimes uh, create these roadblocks because you don't need those vendor bills coming to you via U.S. mail. They can come to you via email, or you could have them um, email directly to a specific email address. So there are small ways you can adapt without dumping thousands of dollars. Another right. interesting adapt, um, which, you know, in our business and most service-based businesses, we are going to have, we are going to be challenged with this. And in order to thrive, what's the number one thing service-based businesses need? People. New employees, right? New team members, new people. So how do you onboard these people? How do you onboard your new team members? And especially thinking about a recent college grad, right? There's tons of college grads right now that are looking for jobs. But how do I bring, how do I hire them and be able to train them to do what we need them to do? Mm -hmm. How do you do that virtually? In the past, uh, a lot of our training, and you know, we're, we're guilty of this, guys, um, was by shadowing, by watching, by compartmentalizing tasks. 15-minute task, 30-minute task, right, as, as the employee. Be, well, how do you do that in this new paradigm? We're still trying to figure that out. We're probably better adapt to it than other companies. Yeah, what but, tools can you use? What what what? Uh, how can you change your manager's behaviors mm -hmm. so that they're incentivized to uh, bring those new people up to speed in, in, a, in a way that they're, you know, they're not used to. So adapting is probably, you know, from for 50% or 60% of the companies out there that are thinking about thriving, adapting is really going to probably meet 80% of their needs, right? It's these small tweaks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's going to feel like, oh my God, my accounting system is no longer on, you know, on in that court, in that uh, office uh, there in the corner. Um, or you yeah, know, just documents, documentation, and file cabinets. It's amazing you still walk into companies. No, no totally. Purchase orders, sales orders, work work it's, orders. It's, it's amazing. all in paper. So, the amount of paper that you have and the amount of file cabinets you have to, uh, just to, you know, we've got plenty of stories there that we can. We totally do. Uh, so another, um, so um, that's adapt. And uh, as you're thinking about thriving, some companies will have to really blue sky their business model. 
do, so let's do talk a, a little bit about the second one. Yeah. So what what do, you know what does it mean to do a pivot? What are some examples of uh, companies pivoting their their operations, their service delivery? Um, you know, we've got uh, companies that are changing. You know what they do. We've got cha companies changing how they do what they do. Um, we've got companies moving from you know uh, full you know brick and mortar to e-commerce. Um, you've got get, you've got medicine which has moved to probably Tell still seventy percent, eighty percent telemedicine. Totally. Um, totally a different way of, of doing things, um, which you know the, the consumer would not have bought into six months ago. Or the insurance companies. Or the insurance yeah. companies. Um, but today it's like it's just like that's just better, safer, cheaper. Um, and makes makes a lot of sense. So the, the, you know, it's it's about changing what you do, services, products. Uh, it's changing how, how you do it. You know, you a cleaning it. company becoming an expert in uh, office footprint reopening mm -hmm. and and PPE strategies. Right. That's a that's a pivot for a, for a cleaning company. No, another type of pivot. It doesn't have to be about uh, internally pivoting. Right. It doesn't have to be just about your revenue model or your business model. But it could also be pivoting at, uh, in terms of customer base. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the customer segment that you were more focused on um, now. They don't need it as much, but maybe it's about refocusing on another customer segment. Another it could customer also be segment. Pricing, how you're pricing. You know, you know, we're we're big fans of like transactional pricing versus recurring value-based value value pricing. pricing or monthly recurring pricing. Um, Seeing customers go from a focus, a regional focus, uh, to a national focus. Right? How do I take my marketing strategy and go national? Um, how do I go beyond my relationship-based business mm -hmm. to a, a real a true marketing-based business? And we're in, in Growth Lab. Obviously, we're not far off uh, as we thought about thriving uh, two months ago, three months ago. Um, you know, we started a tax advisory and planning division. Uh, we were hiring. We started hiring mm -hmm. for more national sales, right? So um, how you think about pivoting uh, comes in many formats. It doesn't have to be about going from brick and mortar to e-commerce. E um, so that said, now those are the companies that were able to, uh, what you consider traditionally thriving, but you know, th there's another way to thrive. Um, if you're going to stay in a business that is accumulating or generating negative equity, or you're in a, a business that may not be able to come back, you've got a ton of like fixed costs, right? Commercial printing, I kind of go to that. Uh, you know, it's a high fixed cost business. Mm -hmm. um, what a great time to be thinking about consolidation. And uh, I'm going to pounce back on this like SBA, Department of Treasury release of all of the PPP loans that were issued over 150,000. There is a tremendous amount of information, competitive information. And by the way, I bet you there's one or two potential um, uh, acquisition targets in that list. And there, you know, Dan and uh, Corey, two, two weeks ago, did a podcast all on that. Check it out. But basically, yes, all, all of the businesses that got... $150,000 or more in PPP monies. That list is out there. It's about 660,000. Uh, big, big list. Yep. You can slice and dice it by geography, industry, and ICS code. And you can look at, you know, basically um, kind of come for an inference of how much, how many employees they have. And, you know, based on the industry, what their gross margins is and what their revenues sure. are. And so you can put together a list of acquisition targets uh, for that. But kind of a side note in the, in the whole transition Piece, like what does it mean to transition? It could be exit, it could be acquiring a business, uh, or it could be going through like a restructuring. Yep. So anything else uh, you want to touch on in the transitioning? 
I think that's about it. Right. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good framework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a lot of risk in 2020 still. Um, no doubt about it. Nobody, nobody would argue with that. Um, like looking at the, with that framework of trying to move from that survival mindset to the, to the thriving mindset in that thriving, what is my plan? So in the transitioning, um, approach, I mean, one other thing I want to touch on this, the notion of like entering a turnaround situation or restructuring, it's not a bad thing, right? Some companies really, the, the way they need to thrive or will have to thrive is by getting some breathing room. And um, if you have a transitional sort of mindset, if you're in that bucket, it's not a bad place to be. If you if you do believe that you've got a plan that can get you out of your situation in one to three years, a transitioning mindset um, through the lens of restructuring, talking to your uh, your bankers, talking to your vendors, putting pauses on some payments, restructuring payments. Um, it's a great way to do it. It's totally hands-on. Um, something I think we preached about four, four months ago was if now, if, if there was ever a time to be open and be transparent with your debt holders, uh, your vendors, your employees, your customers, now's the time. Because, um, you know, when it hits the fan, you, you're going to need them to be involved. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of move on. Any other, any other final thoughts or, you know, that, that framework is, re- is really kind of what we wanted to get out there today. Um, get people thinking about, yeah. um, cause you know, whether, whether, whether you're kind of waterfall point of like the change over the next three months, whether that's going to be, uh, end of unemployment, enhanced unemployment, whether that's going to be what's going to happen with your kid's school, whether that's going to be what's going to happen with uh, government subsidy. There's, things are going to change, whether it's going to be the election, things are going to change and we need to move move into planning for maintaining and thriving yeah. but, beyond this. But we are approaching our planning with the perspective that there's still a lot of risk and a lot of uncertainty on the table. Customers, companies, small businesses should keep an eye on cash, should look at survival through the lens mm-hmm. of thriving, mm-hmm. getting out of this. And think about how to adapt, how to pivot, and possibly, if that's the case for you, think about what a transition plan looks for you. So then I think it's then I think it's all about you know once you have a plan, you need to be you need to be very agile. Uh, and two two phrases we have here is cadence and rigor. Mm-hmm. Cadence, you know, do it regularly. Rigor, make sure you have make sure you do it, and uh, consistently and constantly. Right. Um, and whichever one kind of resonates with you, make sure that uh, that you're going back to your plan every week, every month. Um, so you can measure against it and make make agile, quick changes. That's good. All right, my friend. That was good. Appreciate cool. it. Thanks. Cheers. Okay, so that's a wrap. Always love talking shop, Steve. Thanks, Dan. Join us next week. Check us out at growthlabfinancial.com or text weekly GL to 833-759-0277.